Listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Today is Sunday, November 20th, 2022, and it is a balmy 52 degrees outside here in Corpus Christi, Texas. And if you don't know, you have found the Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Got some great things to talk about today. Lots of stuff going on in the world, man. I cannot believe how fast things are happening. I know I've been saying this for two years. But it's because I feel that way. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and most you won't. And I am perfectly okay with that. The world would be a better place if we could actually exchange differing opinions. You don't have to agree with me. You just got to tell me why you don't. And if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So with that... Sit back, relax, and let me rub your feet for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Institution, well, you know, you better free your mind instead. But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman now, you ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow. Well, it's time for your weekly episode of. This is what life looks like in Clown World. I'm your host, Brandon Harper, and I've got some things to disclose today. I hope to be able to shed a perspective on things that maybe you hadn't got from the mainstream media. Maybe some opinions that your friends are too nervous to say, but they all think. And maybe some things that you hate so much, you just stop this podcast and delete it. That's the beauty of the world we live in. We have the ability to build our own filters around us. We can control what we take in and what we don't. But for some reason, there's a group of people out there who thinks that they need to be the ones who control what we see and hear and say and think. And you know what? I just think that's messed up. It's messed up. Thank you. I agree. Speaking of messed up, man, I don't know if any of you people are on Twitter You know what I'm about to say if you're not on Twitter? I mean, I'm not going to tell you to go get on Twitter. It is a cesspool. But let me just tell you what. I feel like their servers have got to be melting down (laughs) over this last week. 
because I've been on there and between the whole Twitterverse. But let me just let me let me back up a little bit. Okay, so for those of you that don't use Twitter or don't know what Twitter is, which I've got a pretty decent amount of boomers in my audience, and that's okay. I like boomers, but Twitter is a place where people to say whatever they want to in 160 characters under the anonymity of of their avatar. No one knows who you are. You can just say whatever. You can be as snarky as you want to. You can be as disrespectful. And unless you're some kind of famous person, then most people don't have any clue who you really are. And remember that it's been filled with a mainly liberal population. And that's because the only people who really use it are people who are interested in things that are happening amongst like pop culture and journalists use it and people who who treat journalism like a soap opera you know there's there's people out there and they really like they thrive on drama right we all know this kind of person this is the kind of person who you know there's always something wrong with them or you know they, they saw a a terrible accident there was blood everywhere they took a picture and here you know you can see it if you want to see it you know the people out there that just thrive on drama and that's just that is a part of life like i'm not i'm not sitting here pointing the fingers at anyone but i'm saying that there are people out there who thrive on drama and those types of people are the people who flock to twitter lots of these people have problems but no solutions you know they point the finger at everyone else but they can't tell you you know what what to do right and so it's filled with a a mentality of people who also think that they shouldn't have to be subjected to differing opinions that they should just they should just be able to turn off people from being able to speak if they don't agree with what they're saying take for instance Donald Trump right twitter banned him from the whole platform because they they said that he incited violence and that he was a a threat to our democracy and so they use that to just basically say, shut up. We don't want to hear you. You're too mean and you're too orange and you're too too rich. We don't like rich white people. We only like rich black people. Well, fast forward. Now Elon Musk takes over, which I feel bad for the guy. I really do. I know he's got billions and billions of dollars, but I feel bad for him because he has never voted Republican, never supported the conservative agenda but he, but he's he's house now deciding that hey uh the republicans i'm going to kind of go with with what they're saying right now because currently the vocal majority are extreme leftists now i'm i'm completely aware that the liberal agenda doesn't always co-align with the extreme left agenda but right now the people who represent the extreme left they have a louder voice and what's that it's causing to do or what's that what's causing what is that causing to happen? My goodness, it's not like Joe Biden. Is that it's pushing, pushing the right away from them because, you know, you have a small group of people who's screaming the loudest and they themselves are saying, we represent all of the left and we think you're all Nazi, Hitler, fascist, poll, election deniers, fill in the blank, right? There's these string of names that come out directed from the extreme left towards all of the right. So all of the right looks at that and says, oh, that's how you leftists are? Well, we're not for that. And Elon Musk kind of took that stance as well. He said, you know what? I don't like the way that Twitter's going. It's inhibiting free speech. It's censorship at its finest. And we don't need that. We need to be able to speak freely. And I don't know, somewhere along the way, free speech, <laughs> free speech is being touted as something that the right wants and the left doesn't, right? The, the, the left is now saying that 
You know, maybe the world needs a filter and maybe we shouldn't be allowed to spread hate and misinformation and disinformation. And, you know, we should just we should have a group of people that get to pick what gets said and what doesn't because, you know, all you stupid people are too dumb and you might incite violence. And then you got guys like Elon saying, yo, time out. Everyone needs to have a voice, regardless of how stupid we think they are. People need to be able to speak. So then all of a sudden, these Elon loving Tesla driving skinny jean wearing button down shirt computer programming vegans. They turned on Elon Musk and now they all hate him and it's hilarious. And I think Elon tweeted out at some point like you people do realize that I've never voted for a Republican, which I think is hilarious. And up until this past midterm. That's what he claims, never voted for a Republican. But regardless, so this past week, it has been a Twitter meltdown because let me tell you what, Elon marched in there and he said, hey, this company's losing money. Now I own it. I'm the guy that's on the hook for the $44 billion that just got forked over to buy this company. And Elon's on the hook to a bunch of investors. He got a bunch of people to pitch in. He said, let's go in together, buy this company. I'll run it. I'll be the guy in charge. So he marched in there and he cut out, I don't know, 60, 70% of the entire workforce. He said, you're out. All you lazy slugs, get out of here. We don't need you. We're going to figure it out on our own. Well, a lot of those employees have a big presence on Twitter. They've been there for a long time. Their friends and family are following them. So they've, they've gotten a presence there. And they all start whining, saying, I just don't know what I'm going to do without my job. And Twitter let me go, and I didn't do anything wrong. And Elon's just running this thing to the ground, and Twitter's going to shut down. It's going to stop working. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the attitude of these people who think that, like, they have a right to use Twitter. It just became very apparent to me that these people don't really understand how businesses work. And these people have grown up in the tech industry, and they've never seen a downturn. They've never seen things get tough. They've never been through a period where a business has to tighten its belt and cut back on expenses. And so Elon did things like shut down the cafeteria because he figured out that it was costing $400 per meal to, to be open. Now, you might think, well, that's just that's too much. Surely they could just buy cheaper food. But what gets factored into that cost is the cost of operating the cafeteria compared to how many people chose to eat there. And the just the general sentiment of these people was just that we have a right to be here. We should be able to censor what gets said here. We should be able to keep our jobs. We should be able to work from home. We should be able to have a cafeteria. We should still make $250,000 a year and work 30 hours a week. And they've never worked for a guy like Elon who will do whatever it takes to be the most efficient he can possibly be. If that means cutting out the waste, that means cutting out the waste. He's not He's not there to build a charity. He's, he's there to restructure the entire business and make it profitable and he expects a lot from people who work for them and you know what if you don't fit that bill then you know you have the freedom to go work somewhere else you don't you don't have to work at twitter so to add fuel to that fire he ran a poll asking people uh, for a 24-hour poll asking people should i reinstate donald trump's account because if you remember after january 6th twitter shut down trump's account so after 24 hours of a poll 15 million people voted, and it was 52% to let him back and 48% to keep him away. And so he reinstated Donald Trump's account. And I got to thinking, man, 
that's great and all, but it tells me that 48% of the people who use this platform think that it's, it's good to keep people from speaking. Why do they think that? Why do they think it's good? Well, I think that they think that he actually incited, quote-unquote, violence and riots and the insurrection. And I think that they think that, I know this is a lot of thinking going on here, but I think that they think that because they trust the media. They, they trust what's being fed to them. I went back and looked at Trump's timeline, and all the tweets leading up to the event were like, let's stay safe, no violence, respect the Capitol, we don't want any trouble. It, w- it was just four or five tweets about how we're going to just protest, but the media attacked him. And I think, in my heart of hearts, and I know this is going to make me a right-wing conspiracy theorist, and I'm okay with that, but I really do think that someone, I don't know who, I'm not going to speculate who who done it, but someone coerced these people into going into the Capitol. Now, the motivation for tricking them, I don't know. I, I could equally see it being someone from the left or someone from the right. Me, I suspect this is something that someone on the left is up to. The reason I think that is that there's been a video going around of this guy named Ray Epps. They've identified the guy. They know he is. There's four different videos of him trying to gather people together saying, it's time to go into the Capitol. We're going to go in there. And this guy's by himself. He's got no one with him. And even the day before when he was saying that, he would say, we're going to go in there tomorrow. we got to go. In. He kept making it a point to say, we're going to go in there. We're going to go inside. And someone that was around him even said, they started chanting, fed, 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 fed. So that tells me that it's that's going against the narrative or the general consensus of the people who were there at the protest. And so once again, this is another example of things that that may not be what they appear to be. And I think, and I've, I've said this before, as we go through time, as we progress with technology, the ability to decipher truth will become less and less. We'll, we will no longer have the ability to look at something and say, oh, that's a video, it's real. Or someone said something, they're representing side whatever, fill in the blank. This is not too dissimilar from the clip I played last week about the lady who was allegedly cheering for transgender or, or, or drag queens in schools. I think that was someone that the right put in there to do a bunch of rabble-rousing to, to rally the right. And I think that this guy, this Ray Epps guy, was was put in there by someone, left or right, I can't say, but but, but probably the left. And the reason that I think that is because he hasn't gotten any trouble. All these other people have been arrested and fined and pistol-whipped, and, but nothing has happened to this one guy. So, I don't know. That That's my theory on the January 6th. I kind of spun off a little bit. But, but Twitter has been Sodom and Gomorrah. And Elon knows what he's doing. He knows how to get engagement. He's not an idiot. He's a smart guy. And it's working. Twitter, the numbers of active users is just going through the roof, apparently. And so what's really funny, too, is that CBS, the big, the big news company, big TV channel run by the 
well, just run by some other people. They they come out and they go, uh, due to concerns of safety or something ridiculous, we are pausing our use of Twitter. We're pausing our use of Twitter. So they stopped. 24 hours later, they're back on. They're back on. And so, like I've always said, people are addicted to the dopamine release that they get when they when they see those mentions and those replies and they're just fighting with people. Just It just gives them a release that they can't get otherwise. And so it's so funny because all these people who are so mad about Elon taking over and so mad about the direction of Twitter and so excited to see Twitter run into the ground, even though it's this beloved platform and all of their memories are going to just go away at the hands of some stupid, greedy billionaire. All of them cannot leave. They cannot leave Twitter. And I think Elon knew this. I think he's smart enough to know that these people are physically addicted to the feeling that you get when you hit that tweet button. Because if they really wanted to sabotage it, they would all cancel their accounts. They would cancel their accounts, delete the app, and that would be it. But they cannot do it. They cannot do it. I tell you, they cannot do it. I'm sitting there tweeting. Bing, bing, bing. Now... On top of all this, I, for the first time, and, I, and I've been told this before, but I never actually synced it with my own eyes how much faster Twitter delivers the news than anything else. It's this FTX scandal, which I'm going to get to in a little bit more detail in a bit. I know I, I blazed through it last week, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a few more things and break it down to a simplisticality level. But the, the, the speed at which things are getting released about this FTX deal is incredible. It is incredible. There's a, there's a product on Twitter called Twitter Spaces, and it's audio format where you can talk, and people can listen. As many people as they want to can listen. And this one guy was hosting a Twitter space, and he was asking people who have worked for the company and whatnot to come forward and tell their stories. And so it got to the point where this guy was releasing information so fast that Reuters was contacting him to verify information that they had gotten to see if it's true, which is, it's unheard of. This this is just a regular guy who's like, I think he's an investor somewhere in Europe, heavily into the crypto space, and he has probably a decent following on Twitter, but decided to start doing these marathon Twitter spaces, and all these people were just divulging information. So this is going to get messy. It is going to get messy, but Twitter... I think it's going to turn into something way bigger than what it is. You see, Elon's got plans for it. He hasn't really disclosed what it's going to be. But he has said in the past that he doesn't understand why we don't have one app that can do everything. Why do we have all these apps that do different things? That we Really, one app can do everything. And they have this in China. It's called WeChat. And, and I know people instantly think, if I don't want to do it, anything that China does ain't no good for us. We're not China. We're American. We're free. I know. I get it. But he's kind of right. He's kind of right. We we can make it all built into one app. I mean, how many message platforms do we deal with? And I know that there's some people listening to this that say, well, I don't get on any social media. I just use my text messages and look at my newspaper. And that's fine. That's fine. But for businesses, entrepreneurs, people who are running businesses, they've got... All these message platforms you have to contend with. 
They've got to deal with the text messages. They've got to deal with the Facebook messages from people asking questions about their business. They've got to deal with the Twitter messages. They've got to deal with Slack messages. It's, it's just, it's, not, it's never ending. They've got to deal with email. You see, and so this gets confusing for someone that's trying to keep up with all this. Like, we should just have one platform or an aggregator that puts all the messages together and gives you one place to respond to all of them. And Facebook's tried doing this, but it's a it's a crap sh- it's a shit show. Okay, it's terrible. Just like everything else they do, it sucks. So this is part of Elon's plan, is at least what everyone's speculating. He also wants to incorporate a peer-to-peer payment system. So something along the lines of Venmo or PayPal, but instead of using U.S. dollars, he wants to use what I suspect will be cryptocurrency, probably Dogecoin. I don't know. something. It's going to have to be something that's not volatile. It means it doesn't move around in price too much, but I don't know. I, I trust the guy. He's going to figure it out. I suspect Twitter will turn into something that even those people who never thought they'd use it will be using it one day because here's what we're starting to figure out. And I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but that's okay. This is what you pay for. What we're starting to figure out is that the, the, the platform that relies on advertising, like Facebook, right? This is how Facebook makes money. For the longest time, I couldn't figure out. I'm like, how do these apps make money? Well, it's just advertising. That's it. So... Facebook captures your data, they can process it, they can analyze it, and then they go to the advertisers and they say, based on what this guy looks at and says and reads online and tweets and everything else, this is your buyer. This guy is the guy you need to market to. Well, that's valuable to companies who are advertising on a, on a national level or even a local level. But what we're starting to figure out is that now there's so much competition for users' time which means there's so much competition for advertisers, right? Because if I if I'm an advertiser, I want to I want to get in front of users. I don't care what platform they're using. I just want to be able to shove my ads in front of their face. So now what these platforms are really competing for is user time. They want users to be on their app more than the competition. So for instance, Facebook, they want more time than TikTok. And TikTok wants more time than Instagram. So they're all competing for time. And that's caused a fiercely competitive environment where they have to offer low prices to advertisers in order, in order to make it worth it for them to advertise on their platform. And when you've got a company that's run inefficiently, like Twitter was, like Facebook is being run, eventually the money coming in can't keep up with the money going out. And so this is going to happen, in my opinion. This is just my philosophizing. I looked at my eight ball last night, and this is what it told me, that these tech companies who are relying on advertising are going to go away, or their model's going to have to change, or they're going to have to pivot. Now, this is like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, all these guys, because what we're figuring out is that users go to where creators go. And I use that term Loosely, and I don't really like the term creators, but creators are people who make things that you want to see. And people tend to spend more time interacting with them than they do their friends and family and random people making pictures because the creators are incentivized. They get paid by the advertisers for making things that entice users. 
So there's added value there for advertisers. They they pay a guy in the middle. Just think of it like a comedian at, at a comedy show. And if I was an advertiser, which would be more valuable? Putting a, putting a message up on a screen in front of all these people who are sitting at the comedy show saying, here's why you should buy our coffee. Or to get the comedy guy, the comedian, to say in the middle of a show, hey, guys, you ever tried such and such coffee? Man, it's good. And then they go into a joke and then work it back in later, right? Which do you think is more valuable? Well, obviously, it's more valuable to have the person endorse it that you paid to come see. And so this has caused the rise of influencers. This is the, the creator space. This is why YouTube works. Now, I still think that the companies are going to have to tighten their belts. The companies who sell ad space and pay creators are going to have, still have to tighten up. And that's because advertisers now have the ability to contact these creators directly. And they don't even have to use the platform as an intermediary. So it would be like the comedian having an agent, right? And before, like up, up until pretty recently, the agent would have to sell the comedian's endorsement to the advertiser. Now the advertisers have the ability to contact and communicate directly with the person who's doing the endorsement. Remember, all technology is is just another step to cut out a middleman. In this case, right? Going to the moon is a different technology. And so I think, or it's it's my opinion, that we're about to see a big economic downturn in 2023. And none of these big tech companies have ever seen a downturn. They've arisen from the dirt to the top of the mountain between 2008 and now, virtually. I mean, they've, you know, guys like Microsoft have been through it a little bit. But the Zuckerbergs, the Twitters, the Snapchats, the TikToks, they've never seen a bust cycle. They've only seen boom times. And I think what it's going to do is wash out the inefficiency. All these, all these tech guys that have been making three hundred grand a year working from home 20, 30 hours a week, that's about to go away. And they don't know how to use shovels. You know what? You know what's about to get real cheap? Waiters. Waiters are about to be a dime a dozen because these tech guys, they're not going to have work. Now, I say that. I'm being a little exaggeratorily offensive, I know. And, and I don't think it's going to be that bad because I do think that as we progress into the future, more technology will be incorporated into our lives in the long run. But in the short run, this is what you'll see when the housing market crashes. All of a sudden, everyone goes and waits tables because that's something they can do and make a decent amount of money at. Because if you were a realtor, you work in the real estate industry, you probably got a pretty decent personality. You're probably pretty sharp. You could probably communicate well. You could probably multitask. And so you'd probably make a good waiter or waitress. And so I don't know about these tech people, though, because they, they don't have good people skills. You know, they feel most comfortable behind a screen. So there will probably be a lot of freelance labor out there. It's going to be interesting. It is dang sure going to be interesting and you know what i could be completely wrong i could be i could be but i don't know zuckerberg let off ten thousand people last week which is hilarious to me that that musk laid off like i don't know four or five thousand and everyone lost their mind zuckerberg let off ten thousand and not, not a peep
But people got to understand as a as a business operator, when the time comes, you got to make tough decisions. And if it means either you go belly up or you let people go, you're going to let people go. That's just the way that it is. Okay, enough about that. That's the update on Twitter. That's the Twitter meltdown. That's the Elon Musk portion of it, and that's my opinion of it all. This this is the thing. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird, which is the bald eagle, you can make federal laws to protect people. I love that disclaimer. You can bald eagle. I love that. It's the bald eagle, which is the bald eagle bird, which is the bald eagle. I love that disclaimer. The bird, which is the bald eagle. This this is the thing. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird, which is the bald eagle, you can make federal laws to protect people of color. We should make federal laws protect people of color. What? What kind of ridiculous question? What, what is that? What do you people say? This guy was the lawyer of George Floyd's brother, whose name is Felonious. This this is the thing. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird which is the bald eagle you can make federal laws to protect people of color so we should just protect people of color no, no crime they're not any crime if you're if you're a person of color you can do whatever you want to do and we'll protect you brilliant plan great idea and speaking of inefficiency man i had to go to the courthouse the other day and you know what i you know as much as i dread having to do things that are outside outside of my normal schedule listen i'm gonna just tell y'all i'm a creature of habit my schedule is so routine every day looks like the same day eat except maybe sundays every single day i go to bed at the same time i wake up at the same time i go to the same places i drive the same vehicles i do the same things with my dog and you know some people would say it's boring but for me, it eliminates the need for me to have to make a bunch of decisions. It just allows me to do what I need to do and focus on the things that I want to or need to focus on. So that's, you know, that's just how it's just me. So when I have to go outside of my routine, I get kind of fussy about it. I get a little grumpy. Well, the other day I got a ticket. I got pulled over. I was driving along. And my phone rang, and I looked down at my phone, I picked it up, and I looked at the number, and I didn't answer, and I sent it to voicemail. Well, a silly motorcycle cop was right next to me, and he happened to look over and see me picking up my phone, and he pulled me over. And he didn't like it when I questioned him, so he gave me a ticket. Operating the, or what is it, operating the motor vehicle while using a hands non-hands-free device or something, and I said, are you sure that I can't even pick up my phone to look at it? And he just looked and goes, are you asking me if I'm sure? Yes. Yes, I'm sure. And so, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have asked him. Maybe I should have said, yes, boss, please give me my ticket. Let me go my own way. And I think that these guys need to write tickets to justify their existence. But either way, either way, we have a, a budget lined. We have a budget for traffic tickets. We, what does that tell you? What does it tell you when a city or a municipality has a budget, meaning we need to. We need to get this much money in revenue, in traffic tickets. We're going to count on this much money. That's just stupid. That is a terribly run entity. The goal should be for zero. The, the goal should be to have nobody speed and nobody do anything. So, okay, I'm not going to go off on that tangent right now. So I got the ticket. I pleaded no contest or not guilty or something. I wanted to go talk to somebody. I wanted to present my case because he also gave me a ticket for failure of 
registration, which he has it in his computer. The truck was registered. I just hadn't put the new sticker on it yet. So he could have seen that, and he wanted to be Johnny Tough Guy. So I march up in the courthouse, and <laughs> I go through. They got this silly little metal detector, you know, that who knows cost how much. Some brother-in-law provided it. And I go through, and I'm emptying my pockets and taking off my hat and walking through the line. And the, the little dude, the, this guy's about 5'4", probably 225, maybe 250. And look kind of like Santa Claus, like a midget Santa Claus. And so I walk through the little metal detector, and he mumbles some, 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 some. I go, hey, buddy, I cannot hear you. You're going to have to speak up. And he kind of looked at me like like he was mad at me for calling him buddy and telling him to speak up. He goes, oh, well, okay, buddy. And I was like, look, I just can't hear you. You're over there mumbling. What What do you need me to do? And, you know, I know I was probably in the wrong, okay? But here's here's what I figured out about myself. In my 40, how old, 44 years of life, I've figured out that I don't like bullies. And I will be so nice to people, I will be their best friend. But the minute that I see someone's trying to flex their position of power or use, use the badge on their shirt for a way that they would never behave otherwise, I kind of call them out on their bluff. And I kind of give them a taste of their own medicine. And I kind of prove to them that like I'm not the kind of guy that you can just do bark orders to and mumble at the same time and, and expect me to just bow down because that's just not me. That's just not how I was raised. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I just I know that about myself. I like to think that I maintain justice. And he, if the guy would have asked nicely, hey, do me a favor, step over here, do this, I need to put the metal detector wand up your butt, you know, wh- whatever. I responded to the way that he was talking to me. And to the untrained eye or the people who don't know me, they'll probably think, you're just such an asshole. Well, may- maybe I am. I don't know. But if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. I can guarantee you that. So anyway, this guy was mumbling to I said, I can't hear you, buddy. You're going to have to speak up. And, you know, he, he spoke up a little bit. We did our deal. We go, show me your belt buckle. I said, what? Are you saying show me your belt buckle? He just looked at me. I showed him my belt buckle. I spun around. He goes, show me your belt buckle. I go, oh, show you my belt buckle again? Okay. He's like, well, I didn't even just see it the first time. And I don't know. Maybe I'm being catty. I don't know. But the guy just had an attitude, something about him. I started to walk off. He goes, the stairs are closed. And I, I couldn't hear him. I wasn't sure he was talking to me. You know, I don't like it when people are talking to me and they're not looking at me or towards me. The guy was looking away, staring outside the window, goes, the stairway is closed. So I thought, I kind of heard him, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to make him tell me loud and clear. So I started walking up the stairs. He goes, sir, the stairway's closed. And I go, okay, no worries. Turned around, went back to the elevator, went upstairs. So that this is how it started off. So I'm already in a grumpy mood, and I just walk around thinking, this place is so inefficient. This There's people here that are just wasting time, wasting money. So I go in the courthouse, I sign, in the courtroom, I sign the little thing, you know, take your hat off, turn your phone off, do this, do that. We're all just sitting there. You know, the bailiff makes us all sit, like, on a separate pew. You know, I don't know what they're called, but the big, long benches. You know, I, I sat down next to somebody on, within three or four feet of someone. He said, sorry, I need you to go up there to the front. I was like, okay, all right. So we just sit in there for, like, 45 minutes. Nothing's happening. There's a judge at the front of the courtroom. She's got a big screen in front of her face. 
They're all surrounded in plexiglass, like freaking circus animals. And so we just sit there for 45 minutes. No one says anything. And I finally go, like, hey, what, what's the protocol here? What are we doing? Sir, we'll call you when we're ready. And I go, okay. Just looked at my watch. Can't play on your phone. Can't do anything. You know, just sitting there enjoying the silence, looking around, wondering why everyone else is there. There's like seven people in the room. Finally, they start calling people in the uh, the back door. There's a door in the back of the room. They're calling people back there. The DA calls me back there. I explained to her my situation, and she drops everything. And I just pay the court fees. And she goes, as long as you don't get a ticket in 90 days, you can go. And I just think to myself, like, why does this racket exist? Why couldn't the cop have said, hey, I'll tell you what. Instead of you wasting all your time and energy going to a courthouse, why don't we just, you pay 50 bucks, we'll call it even. And I'm not saying, like, take a bribe, but we should be able to look at the statistics and say, of all the people that we gave these meaningless violations to, this percentage of them, we allow them to go with only court fees. So maybe the cops could start using their judgment say, and say, hey, typically these two items would cost you $280. But I tell you what, I can see your registration was paid for. You need to go home and you need to put it on there today. Do you understand? Yes, sir, I understand. Okay, you didn't really understand the rules about the cell phone deal. I tell you what, 50 bucks to the court and you could go. And I would go. And I would be happy because how much time and energy and money was spent on my four hours. That was just me. Spend, I don't know, it was like three, four hours worth of my time. And then I thought, and I've talked about this before, but punishments are not severe enough. Punishments, punishments don't stop behavior. Generally, generally. Even the death penalty. I mean, people still kill people. Even though we know that we might get the death penalty. But I'm of the opinion that if we stiffened our punishments, we would get less crime. And that's because to... To make a behavior go extinct, you just punish the behavior. You make it so that the outcome is not worth the, the behavior. And I know there's people out there that are saying, Well, you can't cut off somebody's pinky because they were just speeding. Okay, maybe maybe we don't need to cut off pinkies. But what if speeding was, if you got caught speeding 30 miles over the speed limit, you lose your license for a year. and And then... Maybe we wouldn't have to waste our time dealing with these things. But but here's the caveat. Remember, these cities have a budget line. They have a they have an expected amount of money to, to get from these violations. So if they make it too stiff and they persuade the people from not doing the crime, they'll no longer receive their revenue. And so what the courts do is they balance it. They have to say, okay. What is, the, what is the highest amount that we can make this fine and people will still continue the infraction? And I bet there's not, that conversation doesn't happen out loud. That goes back and forth and they use numbers to make decisions and they say things like, well, about right here is where we think it needs to be. Yep, that looks good. And so it's not an open discussion about like, well, if we go too high, no one will do it and we need money. It's just an unspoken way of doing things. And nobody wants to be the one to accuse people of doing that because it doesn't look good, right? That's your job. That's what you do for a living is you work for the court. You help make decisions. And if you do something that makes the court less money, well, now you're an idiot. 
And now you're the one that has to give up coffee because they can't afford to pay for it because there wasn't enough tickets written. It all goes down to money. It all boils down to money. You know, I think about what Elon's doing to Twitter, and he's going there and gutting it, and he's pulling out all the wasted space. And he's getting guys that want to just work, and they want to grind, and they're ready to write code, and they'll stay up there all night, and they'll work on three hours of sleep, and they'll drink Red Bulls, whatever it takes to get the work done. And I wonder what would happen if we could do that to the government. If we could just slash it, if we could cut cut out all these worthless programs where people are just taking in money. For example, the the business of housing the homeless. You wouldn't believe it. You would not believe how much money New York spends every year on housing the homeless. I, I don't want to quote it, but I want to say it was like the $2 billion range, something like that. I could be a little bit off, but it's a large amount of money that they spend every year to help house the homeless. But the po- homeless population is still growing. And that's because there are people out there that are being extremely wasteful and inefficient with the money. You see, this guy goes out there and he starts a charity, a charitable organization. He raises money to help the homeless. And then he goes to the city and he says, hey, I've got this charity. I'm raising money to help the homeless. We would like to be the ones to help get some housing built. And then he goes to his brother and he says, hey, you're a home builder. Guess what? You're going to get the contracts on all these houses. And he's got another buddy. His buddy works for a grocery distribution company. And he says, hey, you guys are going to get the contract for all our groceries. And so you can charge us whatever you want to do. And then what happens? The money goes back to the guy who's, who's created this program. I know, I know it might sound cynical. I know it, it seems like it's just being, like it's just a bunch of finger pointing and that people don't really behave that way. But I promise you, people behave that way. The, the desire, the human desire to acquire is limitless. It, does, it doesn't end. And when people, these aren't stupid people. These are smart people. They see loopholes. They can take advantage of things. They've been in the position to do that their whole life. They know the right people. And it's right there on the edge of corruption, right? Because who's going to criticize the guy that started a foundation to help house the homeless? Nobody wants to be that guy, and they're aware of that. This is why I'm, I'm just of the opinion now that everyone should question everything. The, the key to having a fair election is to question it. Just blame everyone for cheating every time both sides. Because if we do that, then maybe the people who have been getting away with cheating will be too scared. And I promise you, no matter what political side you side with or no matter your political affiliation, no, not everyone on that side is innocent. There, there is neither party is comprised of righteous, upstanding, high-value citizens. And the minute that people can understand that is the minute that maybe we can all start holding them accountable, that we can be the ones who call them out on their bullshit. You know, the American dream was to hustle. The American dream was to grind. The American dream was to add value to things, to create wealth. And in order to create wealth, you have to add value. Otherwise, it's just a Ponzi scheme or you're sponging off the government. And we've gotten to a point where we allow that too much. And I think it's our job. It's the low man. It's the plumbers. It's the electricians. It's the framers. It's our job to call these people out because they're cronies. They're buddies that are right there with them. They're not going to do it. And the people that are above them, they're not going to do it because they're getting fed too. This is why this whole crypto space is collapsing right now. And 
this kind of leads me into my next topic is that if if something doesn't add value it's worthless and all these crypto scams are the perfect the perfect example i know some of you are saying but brandon you've been saying how great crypto is for like five years now and i agree i have been cryptocurrency will change the world Maybe not cryptocurrency, but blockchain technology is, is going to change the world. There's a lot to unpack. I'm not going to get into it, but Bitcoin is not the same as all these other 20,000 cryptocurrencies. It's totally different. But this whole, this whole FTX collapse is showing us that no matter the hype, no matter how much we love things, unless they're adding value to our lives, they will go away. And I said that all along. I said until these things are actually doing something, they're not they're just they're worthless. But Bitcoin, for example, it, it does something. It allows us to create a digital asset that can be proven and verified where it is, when it went there, how it got there. There's a certain number of Bitcoin that will ever be produced. You can't reproduce it, you can't inflate it, you can't hack it. And so th that's value. And this is the very, very beginning of the blockchain world. Just all we're doing, all Bitcoin can do is basically what a fax machine did in the early 90s before computers ever got to be real. It's just moving numbers from this wallet to this wallet, from this file folder to this file folder, and this file folder to this. That's all Bitcoin's doing. And so that tells me that we're super early in this whole space. And so I want to break down, it kind of in layman's terms, what what's really happened at, at FTX, okay? So I gave a quick run-through last week about these these connections that are unscrupulous and that, that uh, there's probably some some fraudulent and shady things going on connected to people that are way above this kid, but I want to just give the quick rundown on, on how this thing collapsed. So you got this guy, Sam. He comes out of MIT, works at a job, goes, starts programming this exchange to trade crypto so think of it as like a stock exchange but with cryptocurrency he's taking in money from users and then he's he's trading with it he's gambling with it and so then he creates his own currency his own fake dollars and he goes out and he pumps them up and he says hey you should buy this token well remember he created them for free he created millions and millions of these things and they got up to a price of 70 dollars each well he was selling them and making the money and then on top of that, he was investing user money. So this guy wasn't adding value to anyone's life. He wasn't doing anything to provide people with things that are worth paying for. And so it all fell apart. And now you've got this kid who is being completely sheltered and protected by the mainstream media who is deeply embedded into the left side of the political spectrum. So this guy's defrauded a million people in the tune of about $8 billion, okay? When Bernie Madoff did this, he was in jail within 24 hours. This guy's still hanging out in the Bahamas. He was seen walking into a convenience store a couple days ago. And the people who have accepted money from him, right? To, remember, he gave $40 million to politicians. The people who make and enforce the laws... He gave them money. And so it wouldn't surprise me one bit if nothing happens to this guy. Because 
He's in bed with the right people. He's given the right money to the right people. And they owe him favors. Let me just break something else down for you. So he started this company, FTX, okay? Now, when someone wants to start up a company and they're trying to acquire funding, right? So when people start companies, they don't always start with just money in their own pocket. They don't, they don't work for five years, save up $100,000, and start their company. What a lot of people do is they have this idea, and they go pitch it to investors, and they say, here's what I think we can do. Here's how much I think it'll cost, right? So they don't want to start out with themselves and a programmer. They need to start out with more so they can scale faster. This is what you call a fundraise or the raising of funds. And this it gets kind of complicated. There's different rounds. There's different types. There's different, different um, relationships that you can have with these people that are starting up companies. But just to, just to give you an example, a guy who doesn't have any experience in a startup company and startups are hard because you're starting out with zero dollars profit you're starting on the hole you got all this debt that you got to figure out how to pay back and you have no money coming in but you still need things like programmers janitors secretaries you know the list goes on and on if you're going to start a big company you got to start a big company and so there's tons of pressure on these guys to become profitable and so the average startup funds that someone can raise with no experience in starting a company and running it. Remember, this guy was like 26 years old. He had never led a corporation, never led an organization. He only worked at a little trading firm for a couple of years after college. He had no experience. And typically, someone in that position, if they have a phenomenal idea... And if they're well-connected and their parents are rich and they know the right people, the right country clubs, they can get maybe $50 million if they're lucky. Some guys have been known to get 100 And then what happens is you get your first little bit of money and you start working and you start building and you start producing. And then if you're showing that you don't even have to be profitable yet, but you got to show that you're clawing your way out of the hole, that your idea is working, and that you're a competent manager – and that you're a, you're a good founder and you just, you're, you're grinding to make it work. When they see that, they'll come and they'll have another round of, of fundraising. And they'll throw you a little bit more money. So either way, normally you're really good if you can get $50 million. Complete badasses can get $100 million. And then they go from there. So this guy, Sam Binky Bankman Frieden, was able to raise $2 billion for his first fundraise. Two billion. Two billion. What I want to know, who got the gold? I ain't never seen no shit like this before. Where did this money come from? Who who donated it? <laughs> who, who, who invested it and then got squashed? I don't know, but that would tell me a lot. Because I would like to ask him, why, why did you give this guy so much money? And I feel like we won't ever get the truth. We'll never know the answer to that because nothing happens to these people. Nothing happens to the Hillary Clintons and the Ghislaine Maxwells other than like 11 years in prison for running a child trafficking ring, which could someone please tell me why we only have two people, one of whom is dead in a child sex trafficking ring? Because surely we can get more than that. So, I don't know. That's kind of an FTX update. I'm kind of burned out on thinking about it, talking about it, if we're being honest. So, I might just give a little bit here and there. 
I feel like today's been extra long-winded, so I'm going to move along. But that's that's where we are with FTX. The guy's still on the loose. No one knows you know, what's going to happen to him. Everyone's mad that he's not arrested. You've got a couple guys in the investment community who are like, he just made a mistake. You should be nice to him. Which those guys are being made fun of, and it's uh, it's kind of turning into a big soap opera. I will probably never take the time to read the book or see the movie because I'm seeing it all in real time unfold before my face. I want to whip his behind. That's what I want to do right now. If I thought they wouldn't take me to jail, I'd whip his behind right now. Surely, surely you guys didn't think that I'd make it through an entire podcast without talking about Bo Jiden. Wrong. Wrong. And I'm going to start clarifying. Whenever I play a clip that's from the week before, or if I go two weeks without a podcast and it's from the period of time between my two most recent podcasts, I'm going to indicate it so that you know that I'm not just recycling these clips. Because to the layperson, it might just sound like, He's just playing the same clips over and over again. But I'm not. These are all new. So here, here's Biden. <laughs> it's hard for me not to laugh. You know what? I just, I'm over. I don't get mad anymore. I just, I think it's funny, and I will laugh at it. Energy Agency recently concluded that our significant climate investment. Will- I, I know, I know, I know. You guys don't like stopping me, stopping it. But I'm gonna play this again. It happened kind of quick, but I want you to hear when he says recent. He's supposed to say recently concluded, and he goes recently concluded. Just, just listen. I, I can't slow it down, but just listen. Then I'm going to let it play all the way through. Please understand that I'm not stopping. I'm not running it back. I'm going to push play, and the next time you hear me talk is is when he got done talking. All right? Here you go. Energy Agency recently concluded that our significant climate investment will, quote, help turbocharge the the energy, the excuse me, tur- turbocharge the emerging global clean energy, clean energy economy. I was reading their quote. Sorry. <laughs> there, I'm back now. Turbocharge. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what that reminds me of. But first, let's hear it again. So he, he, he says turbocharge, and then he fumbles around and he mumbles and he mumbles and mumbles, and then he goes back like four lines of turbocharge. <laughs> It's just, this is something that like someone like in the sixth grade might do if they're giving a speech and they get confused, which I'm not knocking on sixth graders. That's perfectly fine. That is acceptable for a sixth grader. Maybe not acceptable for someone leading the free world. Turbocharge. Energy Agency recently concluded that our significant climate investment will, quote, help turbocharge the the Mer- the turbocharge 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 emerge the energy turbocharge the emerge the energy the excuse me Tur- turbocharge the emerging global clean energy you have to think that's funny you have to think that's funny the emerging global clean energy clean energy economy I was reading their quote. Sorry. The emerge the energy the the excuse me tur- turbocharge <laughs> the emerge. <laughs> okay, so turbocharge. I heard that, and I thought, you know what that reminds me of? You guys, some of you might not know this, 
there's a guy in Houston who's still around. His name is Mattress Max. And he would get on TV and he would rant and he would holler and he would say, Save you money today. <laughs> and I heard that tone of voice in Joe Byron and I thought of my main man, Mattress Mac. Right now at Gallery Furniture, 6006 I-45 North between Tittle and Parker. Buy yourself and your family a beautiful recliner, something you can enjoy 365 days a year, and we'll give you another recliner absolutely free of charge. That's right. Buy one, get one free. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Gallery Furniture really will save you money. Turbo charge, the emerging global clean energy, clean energy economy. Easy for you to say, Joe. Turbocharge. Quote, help turbocharge. Absolutely free of charge. Tur turbocharge. You do have to admit he petered out on the second one. Turbocharge. Tur turbocharge. Right, buy one, get one free. You know what would absolutely make my life is if I met someone who worked for Joe Biden and they were like, yeah, man, when we were... We would try to get him excited and hyped up, and we wanted to be him enthusiastic. And so we would play these clips of this guy from Houston named Mattress Mac in hopes that it would kind of, we would tell him, like, Joe, listen, Joe, try to act like this guy, okay? You see how he's animated and happy and loud? Just, just try to act like him, okay? Buy one, get one free. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Gallery Furniture really will save you money. money. <laughs> hey, listen, I grew up listening to that, okay? It's got a special place in my heart. Mattress Mac is a great guy, does a lot of great things for a lot of people, and I just think it's funny. That's all. That is all. You know, if we can't joke about things that we think are funny, regardless of who they are, we're not in a good place, okay? Laugh at things that are funny to you, and who cares what anyone else thinks? That's not the same as being disrespectful, okay? Finding humor in things is your own sense. It is your own ability to decipher what you think is funny. Do not let anyone tell you not to say things because they don't think it's funny. We cannot let comedy die. So that was the weekly Biden clip. That was a Biden clip from this week. This week, actually. He's not, not getting sharper. He's actually getting duller. But that's okay. You know, here we are. He's the leader. We picked him. We get him. More voters than anyone in the history of the United States that's ever voted. They love him. They love him. I hope they're happy. I do hope they're happy. Okay, for my final trick, I think, I'm going to talk a little bit about the speech that I heard Elon give the other day. And instead of trying to break it all down, you know, before or after, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pause it and then kind of interject because I know there's some stuff in here that that I had to actually think about. So just I'm going to I'm going to stop it when it's appropriate, but just take a listen. This is about the value of Tesla when he was asked, why is the... Why is the price of Tesla stock so high? Why is it worth so much? Why are people paying so much for this stock? And he, this is this is what his answer was. And and uh, with self-driving, as I was talking about earlier, the the car becomes, call it roughly five times more useful. So what he's saying here by the car's five times more useful, and this is a bunch of stuff that I cut out. He's saying that when a person owns a car. It's only being used about 
of its of its available time, right? So if you use a car and you go to work and you go to lunch and you come home and you take the kids to soccer practice and you go to church. So of all that put together of the 24-hour day, a car is only being used about 20% of that, which means the other 80%, the car could be being used by other people who need it. And so he's saying that autonomous cars will give the ability for cars to go pick up one person, drop them off, pick up another person, drop them off, just like Uber does, but with no humans, with AI. And so he's saying because of that, the car itself will be worth five times as much money as it is now. But it costs the same to build. Now, can you imagine what would happen if a company was doing, they were doing like a 25 to 30% gross margins, but suddenly that same thing was five times more valuable. And so what that means is 20 to 30% gross margins. That's the amount of profit that he makes off selling a Tesla, right? So if he makes 20 to 30% of the sales price is profit, let's just say for easy math, it's $100,000. He sells a Tesla for $100,000. The company keeps 20 to $30,000. Now, if the car becomes five times as valuable, because remember, what he's saying is that it will become five times as valuable because it will be able to do five times the amount of work. So, therefore, the value of that vehicle will be multiplied by five times since it will be able to increase its workload by five times. And in theory, it makes sense. I'm not going to sit here and tell him he's wrong. That, what would that do to the value of Tesla and the value of that car? It boggles the mind, actually. Um, so, you know, if you think of net present value of future cash flows, if you actually do the math on that, it's insane. Um, I wasn't going to get into the weeds here, but I'm going to. So what Elon's saying is that if you look at the, it's called the net present value of future cash flows. So when we're looking at a company and we're saying, how much is this company worth? The question that we have to ask is, well, how much money will it produce in the future? And if we take all that money and we put it into today, what's that worth? Because you have to discount it. Like the, you have to you have to take the money that will be made in the future and give it to us today. And today, money's worth more than what it is tomorrow. I know it gets kind of kind of silly and confusing, but the the net present value of future cash flows cash flows is. All the profits that we're going to make in the future, if we had all that money today in lump sum in one big chunk of money, the value of that. It's not the same number because if we're going to make $10 million 10 years from now, it'd be worth maybe like $8 million today because it, we would have the ability to do things with it and invest it and buy more resources and build more factories. So he's saying if you take the, the net present value, today's value of our future profits – it's mind-boggling. Then there's also the Optimus program, which is our humanoid robot. All this is, is he's talking about the Optimus, the, the robot that they're building that kind of looks like a human, and it's supposed to be able to do human tasks and perform functions and basically be a laborer is what he's getting at, the Optimus robot. Um, which we will leverage our manufacturing expertise and, and the intelligence we've developed for self-driving to have a useful humanoid robot. 
Um, now, the, the economy is fundamentally GDP per capita times capita. What in the world does that mean? So he's saying that the economy, all of the money that we produce and all the things and the goods and the services that are made in the U.S., it's a function of people. How many per capita just means number of people or per, per person, right? So our economy is based on the number that's our gross domestic product. It's how much money and everything we produce divided by the number of people that there are. And so that's a limiting factor on an economy. Because if you don't have a lot of people to produce a lot of things, you can't sell a lot of things. So the, the bigger the number of people to work and do things and produce things, the larger the economy can get, which is part of the reason why the U.S. has the largest economy in the world. We have lots of people. We also have lots of smart people. So Elon's saying people are what hold back economies from limitless growth. Because if you have unlimited workers, robots, then you can just keep building an economy. If you no longer have a constraint on capita because of a useful humanoid robot, it is not clear that there's any limit to the size of the economy. I'm going to have to say that's true. I'm going to have to agree with old Elon here. If you don't have a constraint on workers, then you have no constraints in your economy. Well, Brandon, it's not all about the economy, you greedy capitalist. Okay, maybe it's not all about the economy, but the economy thriving is what it takes for citizens to thrive. The reason that the, that the standard of living is so good in the U.S., the reason that people can afford to have air conditioning and heating in their homes, which not many other countries that I know of have both, the reason that we can have three cars per household, the reason why our kids can all wear these designer jeans, the reason why homeless people and famous people have virtually the same type of cell phones is because of how productive we are and because of how much money we've produced in our economy that it's given people a way to achieve a standard of living that we can't do or that no one can do anywhere else. And so I agree, it's not all about the economy, but with a strong economy, we have great standards of living. And to me, that's that's the goal, right? We're not trying to we're not trying to make sure that certain people get yachts. We're trying to make sure that everybody has a chance. Has a chance. That's the key word. Has a chance to be born in a trailer park and die in a mansion. We need to give people that opportunity. It's easy to give them the first part. It's simple to let people be born poor. But for them to die wealthy is the hard part. And the way that we provide that opportunity is through capital and through the ability for people to work and earn. And now you might be thinking, well, if we don't have robots, then we're not going to have work for nobody. And then they're just going to sit at home. I don't think that's true. The desires of humans are limitless. People want to, by nature, in this country, more, more so than not, although it might be going the opposite direction, people want to earn and accumulate and improve their lives and make sure their kids have nice things and go to the nice schools and they get to eat the good food. This is a desire that most people have. There's a small percentage of the country who, who doesn't care about that sort of thing. 
But generally speaking, if someone wants the opportunity to improve their life, they'll take it. And so as the economy grows, that opportunity will grow with it. And just hearing that blew my mind. I'd never thought about it. I'd never put two and two together, but it makes sense, you know. And from the standpoint where we are now, it seems like it's the way to go. Now, 150 years from now, when the robots take over, <laughs> I, don't, I probably would be saying something else. But he who has the most robots will win in the next 50 years. So take your pick, right? If you don't do it, your adversaries will do it. China will do it. Other people will do it. It's just a matter of time. And we have to learn how to build things and do them. And <laughs> that was stupid. This is what happens. Like I'm reading something and I'm thinking and I'm talking and I say things like, we have to learn how to build things and do them. <laughs> See, I can just cut that out. I can just, I could just take that away and you guys would never know. But authenticity is important in my opinion. See, if we had things like robots, if we did have a, a prolific workforce of robots, we could do things like build our own chips. Instead of having to rely on Taiwan to build our chips, which if China overtakes Taiwan and they cut off our access to these potato chips, it's estimated that it would crush our economy, our GDP, by 10 to 15%. That is basically somewhere along the lines of growing food in your backyard and trading away bullets. I mean, that's a, a, a one-year shrink of 10 to 15% of GDP is something like no one that's listening to this has ever witnessed before. I'm going to go back and look what um, what the Great Depression did. And I'll report back next week. I'm not going to do it right now. I'll go look it up. I'll report back next week. I have something else I want to cover too called Why We Don't Need Regulations. Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Why we didn't, did not, didn't, didn't, why we didn't need, why we did not need regulations, but perhaps we do now in the world of crypto and finance and everything else for that matter. And I think that's going to wrap up today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I wasn't planning on throwing the Elon speech in there, but I don't know. I just decided to put it in there. I don't want to seem like an Elon fanboy, but I just... I admire the guy. I think one of these guys comes across every lifetime. Once in, once in a lifetime, once in a generation, do you get a guy who's crazy enough to change the world? And I don't care that he has seven kids. I don't care that he names his babies letters and numbers. I think that it's important that we take these people who are capable of changing things and let them go. Feed them money and let them go. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think he's a greedy billionaire who's racist. Although, I mean, he is he is African-American. Let's be honest. The guy's he is the most wealthy African-American that's ever set foot on the earth. And we should be proud of that. But seriously, if you don't like him, that's fine. That's fine, too. I don't understand it, and I would love to talk to you on here. And with that, I shall wrap up today's marathon podcast. You know, I'm going to have to change my not pre-recorded intros from 30 to 45 minutes to hour to hour and 15 minutes. Just didn't, didn't have quite the ring. Doesn't have quite the ring. Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I hope everyone has a great week. I'd like everyone to go out there, share your opinions with people. 
do good things to people, be nice to people, hold the door open for old ladies, tip more than you think you should if you got good service, work your ass off at your job, try to win at everything you do, and have a happy Thanksgiving.